0: The role of the immune system in cancer Cancer can exist in the immune system in three different states Either in a state of elimination, equilibrium or escape Typically, cancer cells express atypical markers on their surface These are presented, taken and presented by antigen-presenting cells uh, to T-cells to activate them T-cells are then primed And they travel to the area where the cancer tissue is located and they infiltrate and kill the cancer releasing more antigens leading to more t cells migrating to the site and more immune response honing into the area so in other words when the immune system is actively fighting the cancerous tissue this is called elimination the cancer is in a state of elimination and we know that the immune system is significant in fighting cancer tissue because um, for colorectal patients in one study, when the cancer tumor was removed by resection, it was, parts of it were taken and looked at through the microscope and those patients that had low levels of T memory cells, which is CD45RO+, plus, so low T memory cells, These patients had a higher likelihood of metastatic or local recurrence of cancer. So a good immune response is significant in preventing a recurrence. The next state is equilibrium. So cancer cells can exist in equilibrium within our bodies. And this is when we don't actually have the disease, but we do have cancer cells. Let me explain. So let's say we take a mouse. Or a group of mice. And we give them cancer cells. Not 100% of them will develop cancer. Some of them will. And some of them won't. Those that don't develop cancer. If we go in and mess with their microbiology. With their hematology. And we remove their immune system. We weaken it. Then those cells that have previously been injected with cancer. But haven't developed it yet. Will now develop cancer. Once their immune system is compromised. So this tells us that the immune system is was holding the cancer cells at bay. So there were cancer cells, but it was in a constant state of equilibrium between the immune system and growth that it, th- there was no development of any tumours of any kind. So this would make you think, shouldn't that mean a prescriber should refrain from administering immunocompromising drugs to ex-cancer patients because of the concern that they may have Recurrent cancer tissue or remaining cancer tissue that is existing in equilibrium. And the last state cancer can exist in is escape, which is the worst state you can possibly have. And this is when the cancer is avoiding detection. So it can be by three main ways either immune desert, desert tumor, an immune desert tumor is when there are no immune cells actively responding to the crime scene or to the cancer cells. And this could be due to a lack of antigens or antigen-presenting cells by the cancer tissue because it's mutated. It's a very clever cancer. Or we could have cancer manipulating the T-cell regulator mechanism to suppress the immune system. And we'll look at this a bit later. The second way cancer cells can enter escape is in in a condition called immune-excluded tumour. And this is when the cancer tissue manipulates the extracellular matrix to its favor so it will for example makes the collagen thicker it diverts blood supply towards where it's located so it can have more nutrients and this all makes it harder for the T cells to migrate there to infiltrate there and to kill these cells alternatively we could have inflamed tumor and an inflamed tumour is when there are T-cells, there is an immune response, but we still have this tumour. And reasons for this could be that the the cancer is releasing cytokines into the tumour microenvironment. Or we could it could be because the T-cells have been working for so long that they're no longer effective. They are active, but are not effective. They, these are exhausted T-cells. So when we're considering immunotherapy, which is essentially a wake-up call or assisting the immune response in in dealing with the cancer, there are many, many different approaches. So, for instance, if we were to use chemotherapy, radiotherapy, or targeted therapy, all of these, what they would serve to do is break down the cancer tissue or kill the cancer uh, in a, in a cytotoxic reaction. So, this will result in what? The cancer cells breaking down and releasing content. So, there will be antigens present for an immune uh, reaction to occur alternatively we can present the antigen to the um, immune system artificially via vaccines so we are replicating the job of the antigen presenting cells we can also um, use interleukin 2 or interleukin 12 um, or any other drug that will serve to prime and activate t-cells Another way we can help the T-cells is by using anti-VEGF. And VEGF, as we know, is the hormone that is responsible for um, diverting blood supply, create angiogenesis. So anti-VEGF will stop uh, tumours from receiving new blood supplies and enrichment. And this will help T-cells infiltrate the site. Now let's talk about checkpoint inhibition, another type of immunotherapy. So checkpoint inhibition... Um, ...involves the checkpoints which are receptors located on the T-cell... ...and these help regulate the activity of the T-cell. So we have uh, checkpoints or receptors that when activated or when a ligand binds to them... ...they activate the T-cell and they tell it to work more. But we also have to check balance those out, we have inhibitory receptors. And this is what we're interested in. Inhibitory receptors when activated suppress the immune system they tell it to stop working and this is a homeostatic mechanism to stop our body from killing itself it's a defense against autoimmune diseases so two very important inhibitory receptors are pd1 and ctla4 which due to modern technology, are the only two that are currently targeted. Maybe in the future we'll get more involvement of the other ones, but of those two, PD-1 is their main, most popular target for our our immunotherapy drugs. And then sometimes we can also get targeting of CTLA-4. PD-1 stands for programmed death receptor, and CTLA-4 is cytotoxic T-lymphocyte-associated protein 4. Okay, so when we have a major histocompatibility complex presenting um, a cancer cell to our T cell receptor, if this TCR-MHC complex um, is engaged for a prolonged period of time, then we begin to get upregulation of our PD-1 receptor, programmed cell death receptor. And so if we get PDL1 and PDL2, which are programmed cell death ligands one and two, in the microenvironment, then the upregulated PD1 makes the T cells more susceptible to um termination and inhibition and regulation uh, being checked essentially by the um normal inhibitory uh, mechanism. But what is not normal is that the malignant cell can sometimes tap into the PD one receptors when the immune, when the T cell is binding to the malignant cell, the malignant cell can send some ligands and activate the PD one receptors to suppress the immune system. So we can use drugs called Pembrolizumab and Nivolumab, which are used to target pd1 pd1 programmed cell death receptor so this is the receptor on the t-cell and we can also use drugs to target pdl1 which is the ligand ligand that binds to this receptor so the drugs used to target pdl1 are atezolizumab Duvalumab, and avilumab however arguably it's better to target pd1 instead of pdl1 and that's because there is another ligand PDL2 so there are two ligands PDL1 and 2 which bind to PD1 if we suppress PD1 then we've um we've attacked the root of the problem because the ligands both of them act have to b- bind to PD1 so if PD1 is uh suppressed or inactivated then there can be no inhibitory signal sent to the T cell however if we suppress the activity of PDL1 then we can get pdl2 um, there is scope for it to target pd1 and suppress the immunity and once again the drugs for pd1 are pembrolizumab and nivolumab and the drugs for pdl1 are atezolizumab and Lumab and Avilumab. So similarly to how PD-1 binds to pdl one and pdl 2 the CTLA-4 binds to what is called CD-80. So CTLA-4 binds to CD-80. And the drugs we can use to target C- CTLA-4, which remember is another inhibitory checkpoint, but less commonly targeted than PD-1. The drugs we can use here are ipilimumab, ipilimumab and tramilimumab. Epilimumab is more commonly used than Tremilimumab. Combination checkpoint inhibition. This is when we target not just the PD-1 or not just CTLA-4, when we target them both. Research has shown that if we use EPILUMAB, which is the one that targets C- CTLA-4 CD-80 interaction, and if we just use Nivolumab, which is the one that targets pd one pdl one then sure, we get good results, but when we use both of them in combination therapy, then we get even better results. The patient sees um, more better uh, recovery, and that it's not overly toxic when we use these two, different. even though we're using two different drugs, their side effects are not as much, and one can tolerate them. Okay, let's talk about another immunothera- immunotherapy method, and that's the monoclonal antibodies. How do we get monoclonal antibodies? So let's go back to our mice that we've injected with cancer cells. These mice that have been injected with cancer cells, some of them develop cancer and those that don't have usually developed antibodies. So we can extract mouse plasma cells from these mice that have cancer injected in them, but they haven't developed cancer. We take uh, plasma cells from them and we fuse them with lab cells, which are immortal cells that keep growing and growing. And we get what is called a hybridonas, which is um, lab cells with antibodies in them. And these are called monoclonal antibodies. Now, as they lie, these monoclonal antibodies, we can't just simply inject them into, into human bodies willy-nilly. Because the immune system will, will target them as foreign agents and it will eliminate them. So what we need to do is be smart about it. And we actually inject, or or fuse, sorry, these monoclonal antibodies with things that our immune system would accept. So the first thing we can use is uh, proteins. And fusing monoclonal antibodies with proteins is called, makes a chimeric antibody. Chimeric. And that's when we fuse the antibody with proteins, so our immune system accepts it. If we use... um, Uh, Note that these proteins are non-human proteins, but they're still accepted by the immune system. If we use um, immunoglobulin as the backbone for our antibodies, human immunoglobulin, this is called a humanized antibody. And our antibodies are used in three broad ways um, within the human body. They can be unconjugated, which means complement-mediated lysis, which is when the antibody itself binds to the cell and does all the work in killing the cell or it could be coupled to an immunotoxin or to a radioimmunoconjugate so in either case the antibody's job is to get the conjugated substance into the um, cell into the immune cell into the malignant cell sorry and then from there the toxin or the radioisotope uh, will will do the rest of the work for, for more information on this um, see the lecture title targeted therapy Alright, let's take an example of a monoclonal antibody, so rituximab. Rituximab is a chimeric monoclonal antibody and it targets CD20 on the surface of B-cells. So it is very effective in cases of B-cell lymphoma and has been proven to prolong lifespans. Alternatively, we, there is another monoclonal antibody called blenatumumab. And this, the mechanism action here is slightly different. It's a bispecific monoclonal antibody, so it binds to CD19 on the B-cells, um, so rituximab biome bound to CD20, this one binds to CD19 from one arm, and its other arm, it binds to CD3 on normal T-cells. So what this does is it brings malignant cells and T-cells together to force a reaction between the two. Now let's move on to chimeric antigen receptor therapy or CAR-T. CAR therapy. So this is very, very specific in that the treatment is not a generic drug. It's literally made from your own blood. So a patient's blood is taken and the T-cells are isolated from it. And a a CAR gene is inserted into the T-cell. And the gene we're inserting will code for a receptor for a specific antigen that is being expressed by the cancer that the patient has so we've identified this cancer and the subtype it has and so we know that this cancer likely has receptors ab and uh receptors uh sorry antigens a b and c and so we insert the gene for the complement receptor into the isolated t cells we then um allow these these t cells to multiply in the lab and we reinject them Reinfuse them back into the human's body to boost their immunity and sensitivity to their cancer. So an example of a CAR-T uh, drug is chimeria. So this chimeria contains a active substance called Tizagenluclicol I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Tizagenluclicol or luclusol and it is used to introduce new genes into the patient's um, blood cells. The drawbacks of um, CAR therapy or CAR-T is that it's very expensive, so we don't. it's not widely used. Even though it has good results, it's not commonly used because of how expensive it is, and we get very, very serious, but reversible side effects. So cytokine storm usually occurs within 24 to 48 hours of reinfusion, And it's a reaction to these new cells. And the patient may have to be administered into ITU uh, and given steroids and interleukin-6, anti-interleukin-6 to dampen their immune response. Um, And we can also get encephalopathy, um, a neurotoxic effect of CAR therapy, which is interesting. Uh, So both of these can be very serious and very acute leading to administration to ITU and management there, but very, very reversible as well the mortality from car therapy is very low and the next um, immunotherapy uh, method is vaccination so a lot of viruses have been associated with cancers so hepatitis b and c have been associated with hepatocellular carcinomas Um, human t lymphotropic virus has been associated with adult t cell leukemia uh, the papillomavirus, obviously we know it's associated with cervical, but also uh, v- cervical cancer. But additionally, vaginal, vulval, anal, penile, and oropharyngeal cancers can all stem from this papillomavirus. Um, and then the Epstein-Barr virus can lead to a host of um, cancers. Um, and there is a cancer called Merkel cell poliomavirus. Po- polyomavirus. And this can lead to a specific cancer called Merkel cell carcinoma. Now, obviously, when we use vaccines to treat these um, oncogenic viruses as we do normally, we get a secondary benefit of, pre- of reducing the likelihood of or the prevalence of the cancers that are associated with these viruses in our patient populations so how do we know exactly what which immunotherapy to use or which what's the best one to use and we take we put effort into investigating the biomarkers of the patient because if we look at the indications of which drug to use then we can this helps us give the right drugs to the right people and this obviously helps with costs uh, reducing toxicity with drug efficacy the treatment overall etc etc so for example a biomarker could be the level of pb1 receptor if there is loads of pb1 receptor then that means the immune system is is that means that receptor is upregulated so the immune system is under suppression so treating for the pb1 receptor um or the ligand either or uh, considering that approach of immunotherapy is worthwhile on the other hand if there was a low level of pb1 then likely that the immune system is just very lousy or or there is something else that is causing a problem because it's not being suppressed by these checkpoints secondly the type of cancer we have so some cancers are more mutated mutated than others so for example the uh, melanoma cancers and these are most likely to benefit from chemo for example so cancers with a higher um, sort of uh, degree of mutation, so that they, they mutate more often, they're more likely to form newer antigens, which are pro- new proteins that the body has never seen, and these can be good targets as well for our immunotherapy. Lastly, we'll talk about two uh, methods or potential methods that I have not seen a lot of great success, so dendritic cell vaccination. Um, is when we vaccinate with the use of dendritic cells. Dendritic cells are uh, ideally, they serve to pick up um, toxins that are released from the tumor and bring it to the lymph nodes to present it to the C cells. So by dendritic cell vaccination, we hope to prime the immune response which is by generating priming is generation of a new immune response and we have to boost the immune memory but so far dendritic cell vaccination hasn't been so uh, successful next adoptive cell transfer and this is when a surgeon removes a tumor um, we take that tumor and we take the immune cells in that tumor we look at them through a microscope and isolate them and we give these uh, immune cells um interleukin two, and this lets them grow so once we have once we um sort of um colonize these or, or sort of make a, a growth or expand the population of immune cells from the tumor, they are investigated these cells for the ability to recognize um cancer antigen presenting cells the ones that are capable or the strains that are capable of um responding to cancerous tissue. Um, appropriately are selected these are then expanded once again and they're given back to the patient by infu- reinfusion and essentially this works but it, it only like helps a little bit it's not good enough on its own and lastly just a final point um we also need to consider the microbiome especially when we're pumping so many drugs and medications into our patients um, how are these all interacting with the existing um, matrix and a microbiome and how would they be interacting with each other so uh, there's been an observation clinically that antibiotics given around the time of checkpoint inhibition drugs um, result in less efficacy of checkpoint inhibition uh, therapy Um, so that's a very very important consideration for the management team to summarize there is a number of uh, my immunotherapy methods that we can use, the first of which is checkpoint inhibition and this works by targeting PD-1 checkpoints and the CTLA-4 checkpoint usually together. The drugs used to target the PD-1 checkpoint are atezolizumab, duvalumab and avilumab and these target pdl one which is the ligand and to target PD-1 itself we use Pembrolizumab and Nivolumab. And in terms of the um, CTLA-4 checkpoint, we use Ipilumab and Tremilumab to target this checkpoint. Uh, The next type of immunotherapy is monoclonal antibodies. And these are... Extracted from, they're made essentially, uh, they're induced within mice, extracted, and they are made chimeric by addition of non-human proteins or humanized by addition of human immunoglobin and reinserted back, uh, and inserted, sorry, into humans. Um, Next is CAR therapy. So that's chimeric antigen receptor. And this involves using the patient's own blood, their own um T cells putting and putting in genes for chimeric antigen receptors, so putting in genes for receptors to antigens that we know the cancer has, and then reinfusing that back into the patient and lastly, we also uh talked about vaccinations as a way of um treating cancers vaccinating against oncoviruses or viruses that cause cancer.